Welcome back to part two of my top 50 board games of all time, 2022 edition. If you missed the previous episode, then be sure to tune in to that one first. Not only does it highlight 25 phenomenal games out of the hundreds I've ever played, but it also starts out by giving you more context to my picks, including my tastes, preferences, and biases. And if you've listened to that episode, then you're ready for the finale. Let's do this. My name is Nick Murray, and you are listening to the Bitewing Games Podcast. So continuing on right where we left off, my number 25 game of all time is Chinatown. Chinatown was one of 10 games that recently got the spotlight on our blog when I shared my top 10 negotiation games. Like Ethnos, which is my number 31 game of all time, Chinatown is one of my favorite games to introduce to non-gamers. The rules here are dead simple and the experience of trading and bartering is universally intuitive. While some gamers may dislike the end game where each trade can be perfectly calculated, I've been lucky to play with groups who prefer to make quick, off-the-cuff trades based on gut feelings rather than wooden calculations. At the right table, Chinatown is a rousing experience that is tough to beat. My number 24 game, Camel Up 2nd Edition. Now, I didn't get deep into board games until after college, so most of my longtime friends and family aren't hobbyist gamers at all. With these folks, if I'm wanting to get them to the table for a game that can be enjoyed by all, it's important to have options that are easily approachable, widely appealing, and naturally engaging. I've had success with the games like the ones I just mentioned, Ethnos and Chinatown, but neither of them checks all the boxes quite like Camel Up 2nd Edition. Camel Up is a racing and betting game of wacky stacking camels that has never failed to entertain the masses across my many plays. It's just nuanced enough to scratch that strategic gamer itch in me, Yet it's simple, colorful, and dramatic enough to reel in basically any personality sitting at the table. Like a perfectly salted potato chip, you can never stop at just one play of Camel Up. My number 23 game, Lords of Vegas. If this pick and many previous ones haven't made it blatantly obvious, I love an easy-to-teach game that plays in roughly an hour or less, features a lot of player interaction, yet rewards meaningful strategies and clever decisions. This type of game is my bread and butter. It's generally what we aim to publish here at Bitewing Games because it's what we know best. It's the type of game that straddles the fence between mass market and hobbyist appeal, meaning it's super easy to get to the table with a wide range of groups. Lords of Vegas is what you get when you completely revamp Monopoly and remove it from the far end of the gaming spectrum on the mass market side and plop it right down on top of that fence that divides hobbyists and casuals. There's still plenty of luck to be found here, but it is sustained by calculated risks and strategic decisions. And that luck embraces its gambling-soaked theme in the most satisfying way. Lords of Vegas is an all-time great in the area control genre that utilizes dice in brilliantly dramatic and hilarious ways. My number 22 game, Radlands. Radlands was a surprise favorite of my top 15 games of 2021. That was a recent podcast episode from a few months back. I'm not all that big into dueling card games, and definitely not into collectible card games, but Radlands hits that perfect sweet spot of being easy to get into, yet deliciously intense to explore. Because it's not a collectible card game, it's all contained in a single package. All you do is select three camps from the six that are dealt to you. Draw your starting hand, and you're off. 
Games that require virtually no setup, play in a blazingly quick 30 minutes, and provide a big payoff with dramatic maneuvers and strategic flexibility are always welcome at my table. Radlands is a prime example of this. My number 21 game, Eclipse, Second Dawn for the Galaxy. While I love a great little game like Radlands that is over in the blink of an eye, I don't mind grand sprawling showdowns like Eclipse either. Eclipse is a joy to explore thanks to its blueprint sandbox of ship customization within a tight economic euro featuring a grand buildup to late game battles. The sweeping arc of this game is difficult to replicate, particularly within its relatively quick playing time of 30 minutes per player. It wasn't the most affordable game I've ever acquired, not by a long shot. I actually sold my copy of Scythe, expansions, upgrades and all, to pay for Eclipse Second Dawn. And it requires a meaty preparation, large playing area, and committed group. But this one is absolutely worth the trouble for me. My number 20 game of all time, Clask. Now this is probably the only top 50 list where you'll find Eclipse sandwiched between Radlands and Clask. What can I say? I'm a sucker for fun. Clask has easily glided into my high rankings as an all-time favorite dexterity game. It captures all the fun of air hockey and condenses it down into a tighter, faster, portable experience with several interesting and hilarious twists. I firmly believe that this will remain the best game that features biscuits <laughs> until the end of time. By my estimates, this two-player romp is a no-brainer for any household. My number 19 game of all time, Bus. Growing up, I was never a big fan of buses. Rowdy neighbors, strange smells, uncomfortable temperatures, grumpy drivers, motion sickness, full bladders, and more were key contributors to my feelings. That all changed when publisher splatters Bus entered my life. Bus is one of the first worker placement games that was ever created, although I didn't discover it until very recently. And I'd argue that Bus remains one of the best, even all these decades later. This spicy game of route building and passenger transportation planning just hits the spot for me on so many levels, most notably for how it puts the players at each other's throats. It's also the most approachable splatter game by a wide margin, and a great way to dip your toes in the water and find out if the splatter style is for you. My number 18 game, Stevenson's Rocket. Stevenson's Rocket is another highly misunderstood and criminally overlooked Kenitsi game in the industry. Fortunately, Grail Games and Ian O'Toole understood what a gem it was and gave us a fantastic updated version only a few years ago. Yet it is once again out of print, sadly, at least the English edition is. Stevenson's Rocket is a perfect blend of Acquire's Mergers, Tigris and Euphrates' Tempo, and the train game genre's shared incentives. I regard it as one of Kinesia's finest heavy games. Granted, heavy for Kinesia is medium weight for the rest of the industry, but you get what I mean. My number 17 game, My City. Now, to be honest, there's nothing truly profound or revolutionary about My City yet it has become one of the absolute most praised titles by Bytewing Games. That's because it's one of our all-time favorite legacy games, two-player games, family games, and tile placement games. And don't get me wrong, this one plays up to four, and it's great at any count. Two players is just what I played it at. My city fires on all cylinders by being easy to get into, addicting to play, and making the most of polyomino shapes over the course of two dozen episodes. My number 16 game, El Grande. Few games have stood the test of time as well as 1995's El Grande. In fact, my only complaint about this game is the manner in which publishers have elected to treat it 
over recent years. The most recent edition was printed in 2015 as El Grande Big Box, or when fully translated, the big one, Big Box, (laughs) featuring a far too expensive box that takes up far too much space on the game shelf. From my experience, and apparently many others, folks have bought this edition and never touched any of the expansion content that makes this version so excessive. The base game is perfectly satisfying for endless plays. On top of that, El Grande has now been completely out of print for several years, which is a downright crime for such a timeless classic. The good news is that this strategic area majority game is rumored to be getting a reprint within the next couple years. So the drought will end, eventually. Hopefully the newest version will also feature a more sensible production. But even a less than ideal production is worth the trouble when it's for El Grande. My number 15 game, Inish. Earlier in my hobbyist days, Inish was my absolute favorite game for a good while, as was Scythe. But today, Scythe is no longer in my top 50, or in my collection, while Inish remains one of my favorites. The difference? Inish never got old. Thanks to the three paths to victory and deeply intertwined player interaction, Inish still feels just as fresh, dynamic, and tense on my 12th play as it did on my first play. Inish also remains my favorite drafting game because it gets the most out of the mechanism. Players are drafting from a very small deck of consistent cards where you quickly catch on to what potential threats are being held in your opponent's hands. Drafting the perfect combination of cards and then playing them at the right time makes for some of the most satisfying rounds in all of gaming. My number 14 game, The Crew Mission Deep Sea. Here lies the highest ranked cooperative game or even trick taker on my list. The Crew Mission Deep Sea is a cut above the rest. If I'm going to play a cooperative game, I prefer one that limits communication, ratchets up the tension, and provides endless challenges to explore. The crew checks all the right boxes so that I'm guaranteed to never get bored of it. The 33 missions in this game are layered with even more variety thanks to the large deck of goals and challenges making for infinite combinations. It's a game that packs a huge punch in each bite-sized 5-15 to minute round. My number 13 game of all time, Through the Desert and Blue Lagoon. Many folks will say that you only need to own one of these two tile placement strategy games because they scratch a similar itch which is why I've combined them here at number 13. But for a kinesiophile like myself, I love to own and explore both Through the Desert and Blue Lagoon. No matter which one you go with, these two games really shine with three or more players as you race across the map to claim territory and tokens. You'll always wish you had just one more action on your turn, because there's always a pesky opponent hot on your tail and seeking to throw a wrench in your strategy. Blue Lagoon is easily available and dirt cheap, and it provides an interesting variety of strategies for maximizing points within a fascinating two-phase structure. Through the Desert will soon have a shiny new addition coming to crowdfunding from publisher Steeped Games, and the gameplay of this one offers just a little more strategic depth and bitey interactions as you strive to position and extend your various camel colors wisely. My number 12 game, The Great Zimbabwe. The Great Zimbabwe is one of the most recent new-to-me games to land a spot on my list, and number 12 is impressively high at that. In an episode just last month, I shared my full first impressions of the game, and I'm only hungrier to play it more since then. Not only do I love highly interactive games, but I also love games that don't simply retread the same design ground over and over. Nothing is more refreshing than encountering a solid game that feels unlike anything else. 
The Great Zimbabwe stands out from the pack with its spatial economy, strategic diversification, and customizable victory requirement race. My number 11 game of all time, Root. Root is the gift that keeps on giving for both publisher and fan. For the publisher, Leader Games, this has become an evergreen seller reaching far and wide into the collections of gamers abroad. For the fans, Root continues to provide one expansion after another, making for an irresistible array of factions to explore. The charmingly illustrated world by Kyle Farron combined with the deeply asymmetric woodland creature conflict by Leader Games is what makes this game so fascinating. While it's admittedly a bit intimidating to get into, the smartphone or Steam app certainly makes that a bit easier as it will walk you through the fundamentals of the game and let you play through campaigns against AI or online against friends. Plus, I very recently received the latest physical expansion, and I'm dying to try my hand at being a ratty warlord. My number 10 game, Brass Birmingham. Brass has long been one of the most widely loved games by all of my gaming groups. Little wonder that this title is ranked as the number two best board game of all time on Board Game Geek. It offers plenty of economic complexity to satisfy the modern hobbyist crowd, while making that economy highly interdependent and interactive to satisfy the old school Euro crowd. Birmingham has been in my top 10 for years now, so I really have no excuses left for why I haven't tried its older sibling, Lancashire. Anybody want to talk me into playing it sooner than later? My number 9 game of all time, Sidereal Confluence. Sidereal Confluence is one of the few designs in my collection that feels like an event game. And that's probably because it ideally needs 5-9 to nine hobbyist gamers who are hungry for 2-3 to three hours of heavy negotiations. Yet this one is always worth the trouble of arranging a group fit for the occasion. I recently shared my top 10 negotiation games list, which Sidereal Confluence was obviously on. What I didn't share was how Sidera Confluence has had a major effect on the development of our upcoming publication, Zuvatis. The brilliant thing about Sidera Confluence is that your asymmetric abilities are powerful, but not in a vacuum. You have to interact with the other factions and negotiate deals in order to make the most of your ability. This served as a prime case study for us as we worked with Rhino Kinesia to add asymmetric powers to Zuvatis that enhance the negotiation possibilities rather than detract from them. So I absolutely owe some creative inspiration and some incredible game nights to the legendary Sidereal Confluence. My number 8 game, Age of Steam. In the wonderful world of train games, one train game rises above the rest. Age of Steam is a heavy and harsh design with endless maps to explore. Like Brass and The Great Zimbabwe, and so many others on my list, the shared game board makes for a battlefield of cutthroat strategies. The deluxe edition with artwork by Ian O'Toole is absolutely worth the plunge for those who are interested. I'm looking forward to the many more deluxe edition maps that are coming soon. My number 7 game of all time, Hansa Teutonica Big Box. Hansa, so hot right now. Hansa Teutonica is the beige, bland-looking Euro that puts nearly all other beige, bland-looking Euros to shame. Where too many Euros get stuck in the mire of solitaire optimization puzzles, Hansa ties the efficiency to the interactive board. Where too many Euros rely on predictable engine building to satisfy the players, Hansa puts its engine building in opposition to its tense tempo. Where too many Euros are about exploring the static, setup-driven strategies, Hansa is about exploiting the dynamic, player-driven opportunities. Three cheers for Hansa Teutonica! Hip hip, Hansa! Hip hip, Hansa! Hip hip, 
Hansa, my number six game of all time, Raw. Now I can tell you all about how Raw is the greatest auctioning game to ever be designed, but why bother when I recorded an entire preview on the newest edition of this masterpiece merely a few months ago? You can check that out in our podcast archive. All I can say is that since my preview, I have played Raw several more times, now at all player counts, and I can confirm that it is still, indeed, a masterpiece. My number five game of all time, Babylonia. Babylonia continues to claw its way up my list with each and every play. It must have something to do with the fact that Reiner Knizia has been crafting tile placement games for decades now, and Babylonia is a perfect harmony of many of his greatest ideas. You have route building and blocking, area majority contests, farmer sneak attacks, river trade-offs, enticing power tiles, lucrative city rewards, ripple effect decisions, and clever scoring strategies. On top of all of that, you have one of the few Kinesia tile placement games that I would eagerly play at any count from 2 to 4. My number 4 game, Crokinole. Crokinole is the most expensive board game in my collection, and yet the most priceless possession in my game room. This dexterity game of flicking and ricocheting discs transcends the medium of tabletop hobbyism and enters a realm of its own. It resides in a place of sport and suspense. Hubris and humiliation, tension and tactility, tournament and tradition. My memories of playing Crokinole with everyone from gamers to non-gamers, family to friends, and neighbors to nemeses will forever remain some of my most cherished memories in all of tabletop gaming. My number three game of all time, Pax Pamir 2nd Edition. I have called Pax Pamir 2nd Edition a historical, philosophical, and strategic sandbox for participants to lose themselves in as they explore its nuances over the course of endlessly engaging plays. But the thing that drew me into this game in the first place was the fact that it looked like a work of art. Bright resin blocks represent standing armies or laying roads. A simple cloth map displays a tumultuous 19th century Afghanistan. Spinning player wheels denote fragile loyalties and uneasy alliances and plain player discs act as controlling tribes or conniving spies. From their very first publication, Whirligig Games have established themselves as one of the best indie publishers in the industry. My number two game of all time, Tigris and Euphrates and Yellow and Yangtze. Although they are 20 years apart in age, these sister games stand as two of the most brilliant designs in modern history. What other game covers such a wide scope of theme and endless depth of strategy within such a simple rule set? Civilizations rise, clash, and fall within the span of minutes, while a deliciously satisfying feast of dramatic decisions is consumed in roughly an hour. The mathematician-turned-designer, Reiner Knizia, somehow manages to produce a game of infinite possibilities from the equation of two actions times four options. Here, players are given the opportunity to lay careful plans, concoct ambitious schemes, and watch with glee or despair as their dreams bear fruit or burn to cinders. More than 600 published games aside, Tigris and Euphrates alone, or its spiritual sibling Yellow Yangtze, cements Dr. Knizia as one of the greatest game designers of all time. And finally, we've made it to my number one board game, which is Oath, Chronicles of Empire and Exile. 
In many ways, Oath is on the opposite end of the civilization spectrum from Tigris and Euphrates, where Tigris and Euphrates depicts multiple clashing civilizations across thousands of years from a God's eye view within the span of a single play through four simple actions. Oath zooms in on one civilization and follows its detailed history across multiple sessions, which each represent a generation and are driven by a deeply complex web of player actions and card tableaus. Oath is probably one of the most unconventional games on my list. In today's board game industry, where many stakeholders are pushing trends in the direction of outwardly polished, yet inwardly hollow products that only hold up for one or two plays, Oath swims against the current with a design that demands and rewards repeated plays from a consistent group where driving forces and popular practices are pressuring publishers to make their games more vanilla, more fair, more balanced, more smooth, and more toothless. Oath is a new game with potent flavors, unfair challenges, power imbalances, rough edges, and bitey interactions. The reason it works is because it embraces its uniqueness wholeheartedly. Across my now 11 plays of Oath, no session has ever been alike. Yet one thing has always remained consistent. This game is epic. Now, as promised in the last episode, and for those who are curious, I'm going to be sharing where each of the revealed Bytewing Games publications would fit into my top 100. And this is based purely on my personal preferences, nothing else. First off, Zuvatis. Zuvatis would actually be ranked among my top five games of all time. This is Kinesia at his finest within one of my favorite genres being negotiation. Plus, Quanchai and Bridget take the zoo theme to the next level. Next, Trailblazers would likely be among my top ten. The reason is simple. This is my favorite solo game, and it's not even close. Yet, Trailblazers somehow also plays great all the way up to eight players. Not many games can do that. Furthermore, the high skill ceiling, constant pressure to close loops, and wide spatial flexibility keep this game fresh even after 50 plays. Of all the games we are publishing, this is the one I have played the most. Then we have Hot Lead, which would be among my top 20. Hot Lead is one of my favorite card games, period, thanks to the fast-paced, dramatic, and push-your-luck auctions. Simple as that. Then Soda Smugglers would be among my top 40, because it's one of my favorite chill card games that always hits the spot due to how engaging and funny it is to bribe, bluff, and smuggle. And then finally, Puma Fiosi would definitely be among my top 75 games. This one is just a refreshingly weird twist on trick-taking and auctions that I love to break out on a regular basis. It's also one of the few games in this genre of trick-taking and auctioning that I prefer to play at two or three players. And finally, the only other Bytewing Games publication that we've revealed is Gussie Gorillas, which I'm not applying a ranking to because it's my own design. How am I supposed to rate that? That said, I do love playing it because there is nothing else that features that style of blind negotiation. And I'm super excited to debut that alongside Zuvatis in our next crowdfunding campaign. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed my top 50 games of all time and the celebration of tabletop gaming goodness that it represents. If you appreciate the effort that went into this episode, then I'd like to ask a favor of you in return. Please check out our live Kickstarter page for Trailblazers. Trailblazers was launched just last week on Kickstarter and it is running through September 15th. Just like this episode, we've put a ton of love into Trailblazers and bringing it to life. Now, if you can't tell, I am deeply passionate about this hobby of ours, and I want to contribute even more. Bytewing Games is the conduit through which I'm able to create and share phenomenal games. Games like my top 50, 
and your support is the fuel that will help keep us alive and growing. Thanks for your help. My name is Nick Murray, and you've been listening to the Bite Wing Games Podcast. <laughs>